Macworld Podcast number 442 for January 27th, 2015. Brought to you by Igloo, an intranet you'll actually use and like, and zero beautiful accounting software. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. I'm Chris Breen, and back again this week, of course, is my co-host, Susie Oaks. Hey, Susie. Hey. Let's just jump right in, because uh, there was a headline that I saw today that's getting a lot of play. And I think it's the headlines the problem, not the story so much. But the headline is that the Nexus 6, which is a tablet um, from Google, running Android, apparently, at least according to the headlines, one of the designers was weeping about the fact that Apple has uh, had bought up all the fingerprint technology there was. And so they couldn't put on the Nexus 6. Uh, yeah, that's sad. It, it was the former CEO of Motorola, yeah. Dennis Woodside, who said this. Right. And to be fair, he was not at all whining about it. When when you actually read the stories and read the quote from him, he just said, yeah, we would have wanted to put it on there, but we couldn't because Apple bought the best fingerprint technology company out there there was. There was a number two, but we didn't think it was good enough to put on our device, so we just didn't put it in, which is very reasonable. Yeah. But, of course, the press makes it out as if this is a big battle against Apple and that that Apple has somehow played a dirty trick on everybody else in the world. Yeah, like they had a deal almost made and then Apple swooped in at the, you know, 11th hour and and grabbed up this thing and put a, you know, clause on it that they they could never provide, you know, fingerprint sensors for anybody else. Not so. I mean, the the best one was unavailable cuz Apple bought it. And the second best one wasn't up to their standards, so they made the decision, let's not put it in. And I think that, you know, they should be applauded for that decision. Nobody wants a crappy fingerprint sensor. Um, Mine hasn't been working that well lately, and it's driving me bananas. (laughs) Right. If there's one worse than this, I don't even want to try. (laughs) Yeah, and particularly all the security that is tied to it. So you don't really want something that anybody can open just by putting their nose on it. Right. Um, so I think it's a wise decision. Good for them for not doing it. Um, but it does, I think, speak a little bit to um, maybe some people's naivete about business, which is you don't have to be nice in business. And even if Apple had done that, they'd, they'd purchased the fingerprint technology company and they put all kinds of restrictions on saying You may not sell it to anybody else, which is basically true. Um, and they did swoop in at the 11th hour before a deal was made. Tough. <laughs> that's just kind of how yeah. it works, right? If that's baseball. That's baseball, right? So if somebody scores and you don't you don't cry about it, you try to do better next time. Um, but I think this is also part of a pattern that acquisitions, of course, make a big difference in technology today. I think for a long time people thought that Apple did everything and that it all just emerged from Steve Jobs' giant brain, and, and we had an iPod for that reason. Well, the iPod was actually somebody else's technology that was brought to Apple, and Apple refined it. And, um, and Apple has a history of, of doing these things. I think the iPod is certainly one of them. Um, and if you can get cool technology that you can buy rather than having to develop in-house, good for you. It saves you some time, and Apple certainly has the money to do it. But at the same time, if you can put a roadblock in the way of somebody else... All's fair, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so some of the technology that they've come up with, I think, I tried to make a list of some of the stuff they've done. I think Siri is one. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, was Siri a, a product or was it more of like a, a research project kind of thing? And then Apple was like, oh, yeah, we got a product for this. Yeah, well, it was a company that was developing. They basically bought their intellectual property and said, we're going to develop this and yeah. turn it into Siri. And in that case, you know, as much as people had some problems with Siri in the early going, it still forces other companies to actually come up with their own voice technology. Right. Either, oh, wow. either they have to acquire it or I don't know where Microsoft's getting Cortana, whether they develop that in-house. But you could see they're a little late to the game, at least. No, well, actually, they're early to the game because it's on PCs and the Mac doesn't have Siri. So they're ahead of Apple in that sense. And they've had it on iPhone, or, sorry, on the Windows phone for a while. Yeah, Siri is actually a really good example of what you were talking about because it said that, um, so I'm just, you know, looking this up a little bit here, and they had an iOS application. It was in the App Store, and they had announced, the company, Siri Inc., had announced that they were going to bring it to BlackBerry and Android, um, but then all development efforts for non-Apple platforms were canceled after the acquisition by Apple. So, yeah, Apple was like, no, we want this. We want to be the only ones who have it. Yeah, and they did that with eMagic, which is a, um, a music company out of Germany, and they did this years ago. And at that time, eMagic most popular product was called Logic, which now Apple has kept the name. And this was the digital audio workstation of all digital audio workstations. It was the most complicated, most powerful one out there. And Apple acquired it, and it was made for both PCs and Macs. And Apple said, nope, we're kind of done now with you PC folks. There are other ones out there, best of luck. But we're taking this technology for ourselves. And they turned that into GarageBand and then Logic Pro 10, which we see now. And they're offering it for 200 bucks. Other professional digital audio workstations now are going for 600 $500, $600. And even though they're still in business, and good for them, because they offer some unique capabilities, in a lot of ways, Apple sucked the air out of that room. And a lot of people are turning to things like Logic, who use Macs, because it's cheap, it's really powerful, and it's really good. And then GarageBand, of course, is basically Apple gives away. And then going down the line, way back in the day, there was SoundJam, a product developed by Cassidy and Green, who are no longer in business. Um, and it was huge. It was a big thing, and it was the big first MP3 player on the Mac that was really good. And Apple eyeballed that and said, oh, that looks pretty nice. <laughs> I think we'll just take that. Um, it was kind of the thing that was keeping Cassidy and Green going. They acquired the developer as well, and Cassidy and Green unfortunately died I think within a year or two, because they were kind of banking on everything up for that product. Um, but, you know, look around today. How many music apps do you have that are available on the Mac? Not a lot, because iTunes has kind of sucked the air out of that room, too. And even on the PC, they do have some uh, a greater variety of, of music apps. But iTunes is still a, a huge destination for uh, Windows users. And then there's Beats, which we don't know about. But what do you think about Beats? I think that Beats, it, it could be for the streaming service. That's kind of, uh, you know, streaming is a big deal now. Um, a lot of people, especially younger people, would like would rather stream music than own it. Um, and so if Apple, you know, they have iTunes Radio, which is kind of more like Pandora, but um, I want something more like Spotify or mm -hmm. RDO where I have my little fake collection and can make, you know, my own playlists and stuff. So... So Beats is great for that, and I think that, you know, if Apple rebrands it and ties it into OS in a really deep level, 
maybe that's why they acquired Beats, but it could also just be that um, Beats headphones, I mean, they're really good at marketing and they made something that's not that amazing as a product, like seem really cool. Mm -hmm. And 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 so Apple sort of needs that help a little bit too. you know, their their headphones are not cool anymore. They were cool for a while. Um, when the iPod came out and you saw the, the white earbuds, you were like, oh, that guy's got an iPod. That's cool. But now it's just like, that's over. Everyone's got it. And now when I see those earbuds, I'm like, oh, wow, that guy never threw away his crappy <laughs> Apple earbuds and Ooh, got better ones. Really? What's his problem? Wow. So. So yeah, it could be either side of that coin. Um, we haven't really seen it yet. It could just be also that they want to do these content deals, and they've you know they've aqua hired um, uh, Dr. Dre and uh, Johnny Iovine, or wait, no, Jimmy Iovine. Sorry, sorry, Jimmy. Um, and they you know they could be using them and their connections in the music industry to to do more deals. So yeah, we haven't really seen what the end game is for the Beats acquisition. Right, and I think that that last point is really good because that again is sort of another place where there are other streaming services out there. Android's got Google Play and Microsoft is working on its own thing as well. But the fact that they have Dre and Jimmy Iovine is huge because those guys have been in the business a long time. They know the major artists and to get special deals through iTunes makes a difference where Beyonce's album is available on iTunes first. Um, Taylor Swift will put her stuff there, but she won't put it on streaming services to be able to make those kinds of deals and shut everybody else out is a huge advantage for Apple. Um, And as we've talked about in the past, I think streaming is really where we're going to where Music purchase is declining over time, and I think it will continue to. So having these kinds of deals and exclusives where they can stream it to any Apple device is going to make uh, a big difference in the way we consume media. And, it, and then it gives Apple the leg up where people say, yeah, well, I really want that stuff, so therefore I will go ahead and buy an Apple device, which is the old model of Apple where they want to direct any sales to eventual hardware purchases. So it isn't just about making money on iTunes, although they certainly do but rather they want to continue to drive you to hardware. Speaking of hardware, apparently, um, if it hasn't happened yet, it's going to happen soon, that there are more iPhone sales in China than there are in the U.S. Wow. Yeah, yeah. and I think it wasn't even a year ago when people said, no, that's never going to happen because the economy can't support it. There are not enough people with enough money to buy iPhones. Um, They're Chinese manufacturers making less expensive phones, and the government is going to prefer them. And forget the Chinese market. It's just a huge waste of time. Whereas Apple has been devoting a lot of attention to China. If you've watched any of the uh, presentations they've done, or they talk about updates to iOS, for example, there's always a slide about China and what they're doing in China and Japan. And I think we're seeing that this is the reason. It's paying off. Tim Cook's been over there a few times. Other top Apple executives have been over there recently, being very public about Apple being there. And this, I think, is just the start, that this is a huge market. And we've talked about this, this market in developing countries and China being the primary one as being potentially great. Now we're starting to see that potential pay off. When you look at at kind of, I don't know if China counts as an emerging market. I don't think it really does. But, um, you know, I'm not an expert on that terminology. But, yeah, when you look at China, I mean, it's it's growing so much. 
Um, they say it's home to 520 million smartphone users. Well, we don't even have that many people in, in America. So, and your smartphone can be your computer. So it's not like over here, kind of a lot of people had computers and then, you know, we had dumb phones and then you sort of needed a reason to upgrade your dumb phone to a smartphone and they got cooler and you know, a lot of people did that. But over there, it might be just, you know, com- smartphone, computer, and that's it. That's that, that, that's what you have as, as your device. Like that's how you get on the internet. That's how you do all your stuff mm-hmm. so yeah and there's a there, you know there's a, a middle class kind of arising in China now that they didn't always have so so it seems like market conditions are right for for Apple to make a big move there and they have they're number three behind um, you know two more local carriers uh, Shimoni <laughs> I always say that wrong and Lenovo so yeah um, that's big time that Apple's coming over as an American company and making such big moves in China. Yeah, and I think we're going to see that continue to happen. Um, Recently, I think it was in the last week, China had been making noises about um, making sure that they could inspect iPhones coming over. They want to make sure there was no technology in there that would spy on the Chinese. And, you know, at first it seemed like this big political thing where just sticking it in the eye of the U.S. or something. And, And Apple just basically said, sure. Let, we'll open every box for you, and you can go inside if you like. Take the back off, and you can look in there and see if there's anything here. I mean, considering how important this market is, I cannot imagine that Apple is going to screw it up by putting something in there that to, that's going to make the Chinese angry and then say, no, we're not going to allow these devices in our country anymore. Apple's in the business of making money. If the U.S. government wants to spy on China, there are plenty of great ways to do it, I'm sure other than packing a little secret chip inside an iPhone so that uh, we can find out what people in China are talking about. Yeah. Okay, um, before we go on to the next thing, let's talk about Igloo, which is an internet you'll actually like. Igloo is an internet that you'll actually like. It's a cloud platform that can help you do your best work. You can share files, update blogs, coordinate calendars, and manage projects. It's easy to use and easy to configure, even for the most non-technical of users. And it's built using responsive design, which means that everything you can do at your desk, you can now do on the go and on your phone. Whether you're a large enterprise stuck using SharePoint or a fast-growing business overwhelmed by apps, create an internet that matches your brand's look and feel, simplifies how you work, and is accessible on your phone. Sign up now and try it for free at igloosoftware.com slash Macworld. That's igloosoftware.com slash Macworld. Try it today. So I saw on the site today we had a story from Kirk McElhern about why Apple should go into the mobile network business. And, um, and in that I only skimmed it and you edited it. Why don't you give me the gist of that? And do you think it's a good idea? Yeah, so there is a rumor that Google is going to do this. And so they have these things called mobile virtual network operators. And that's companies who can sell you mobile service without actually having their own network. So if you buy your phone plan from like Virgin Mobile, they don't have Virgin Mobile towers out everywhere. They lease the you know the connectivity and the minutes and the data and everything from a company like Sprint. Sprint, Sprint does a lot of these or T-Mobile, and then they just repackage it and resell it to to consumers. Mm-hmm. So the way it, it, it lets you then be more flexible and to go after like segments of the market that might not be served 
by the you know the big four carriers and the way they like to do things. So if you're not on a family plan, you don't want a contract. There's you know there's other places you can go that will maybe give you a contract free like lump sum unlimited thing, and it'll be more choice. But um, but then it's confusing as to like what devices you can use on these networks and stuff. So so what Apple could really do is if they're big enough and they sell enough phones that Kirk was thinking, you know, w- w- Google's rumor is that they're going to work with um, on the networks of Sprint and T-Mobile. Kirk's thinking like Apple is big enough that maybe they can they can work out deals with all of the carriers, and that way it wouldn't really matter whose towers you're using, you would get great service everywhere because it would, you know, your phone would be able to use anybody's network, just whatever network has the best performance, mm-hmm. but you pay Apple. So Apple controls the whole thing, they sell you the plan, and then when it's time to get a new device, you can just get a new device from Apple and stay on that plan. You don't have to worry about, you know, your contract not being up and you can only get every other new iPhone instead of every new iPhone like we don't know you really want to do. Um, and I think it's a good idea. Um, when Amazon came out with their Fire Phone, I was sort of hoping that, you know, to really shake up the market a little bit, that the phone wouldn't even just be like a different phone with a new operating system, that it would be a new way to buy a phone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like they, they would do something like maybe uh, acquire Ting, which is a, a service that will sell you kind of pay-as-you-go, like, tiered service for, for phones, and they sell on the Sprint network. So I was sort of hoping that, that Amazon would do this, or if Google did this, this would be great. But to, to help you, um, you know, get just the service you need and not be paying for a bunch of stuff you don't need, and sort of, yeah, like, take over the way you, you buy the phone. Apple already does a pretty good job where you can just go straight to Apple, and you don't have to you know, get your phone through AT&T or through Verizon. Um, they can hook you up with, with a contract, but they can't offer anything new that Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile doesn't offer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, it was a really good idea. Um, I, you know, I don't know if it'll, it'll, it'll happen, but it would be kind of cool. I think it'd be great. I just think that these companies are so cutthroat and so competitive with each other. The idea of them all agreeing to cooperate to the extent that they'll all allow it to happen. I think a big problem for these companies, though, is acquiring new customers. And they're always coming up with these plans to try to undercut each other and like, oh, we'll let you keep your data. Like, we'll pay off your contract fees. And there's a lot of competition now, and they're throwing anything at the wall to see if it sticks. If they work with Apple, Apple could say, look, don't worry about it. Like, we have a ton of people who want to buy these phones. They want to buy them every year. They're going to be your customers forever. But you don't have to worry about signing them up or, you know, providing the customer service. Like, we're going to take care of all of that. And all you have to do is keep your network coming. And maybe that would let the carriers actually work on improving their infrastructure and making the networks better rather than just, you know, trying to undercut each other in all these ways to attract more customers. Yeah, although I would have to think that if you were one of these companies, somebody is going to raise their hand and say, do you remember the the whole thing with the music companies and iTunes? (laughs) You know how we like seeded, they seeded control of just this little tiny part of the business and suddenly they owned those companies? Yeah. I, I mean, you could certainly see where they'd say, you know, if you give Apple an inch, they'll take a mile and they'll just, they'll dominate us and they'll start telling us what we can and can't do because they will have this power of these trillions of customers that they can force us to do things that we wouldn't normally wish to do 
Maybe. I mean, I I do wonder that about any of these relationships when Apple gets involved, either because there are too many pieces in it, it makes the whole thing confusing, so things end up not working as well as they would if Apple had entire control, or the reluctance of those companies when Apple steps in and goes, uh-oh, we got to watch out for these guys because they do things really well. People love them. Our customers love them. And by the time we get involved in this, we can't back out because we've lost something, but we've also lost a, a lot of control. Yeah, yeah. The the other industries that Apple's trying to do deals with uh, might might be taking the 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 um the lesson. <laughs> it might be learning a lesson from from what the music industry went through. Oh, I think it's definitely so with the, the studios. I mean, when mm-hmm. you look at movie studios and TV studios, they were really reluctant to get in. I remember the uh, Macworld Expo where Steve Jobs came out and he brought. Um, it's not like the head of Fox or something. Fox movies, not news. Um, and, you know, they talked up like, oh, yeah, we're going to bring our movies to iTunes Store. It's going to be great. And then, you know, they said, we're going to have a 1,000 movies by the end of the month. And, like, three months go by, and they've got, like, 600. And they were just clearly dragging their feet because I think people, again, said, look, we have cousins over in the, in the music business. Look at them. We don't want to be those people. Yeah. And still, it's not, you know, we're not seeing the kind of availability that we've seen in the music industry. It's better. It's much better than it was. But it's still not sort of that wide open, like, Apple controls this. The studios have, have really, I think, smart for them, um, dragged their feet in the right way. So we're getting enough content now, but they, they still maintain the majority of the control. Um, let's talk about iTunes, because we were just talking about iTunes. Uh, sure. They got rid of the single of the week, and and I think we all boohooed over that. Yes. Yeah, well, people like free stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. But um, and so when everybody was all ramped up, ready to say how terrible Apple was for doing this, they basically just refashioned the service, and now they don't have a single of the week anymore. Now they have the free on iTunes service, which actually they had a long time ago. I think. Yeah. I think they're just, you know, they're just elevating it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 They put it in a nice little package, and uh, yeah, it looks nice. So, so this right now, I'm looking at it, and there are uh, there's songs. There's maybe about 20 songs on here, a dozen songs, and some TV shows. So, like so a lot of times, new TV shows will put their first episode, like their pilot, on iTunes mm-hmm. for free, just to kind of because there's a lot of competition on your TV and. You, when you turn it on, you might just go to your DVR and get the stuff you've already know about. Yeah. So, so they just want to want to you know raise awareness of their show and get you invested in the characters. So maybe you buy a season pass or seek it out on your television. They don't care. So, um, so yeah, there were always a lot of TV shows uh, for free in iTunes under the TV thing, but now you can find this in the TV show tab and in the music tab. There's a little free on iTunes section, and and you can get a a good selection of things there. Yeah, there was somebody who commented on the story um, who would just say, oh, well, you know, these are, this is material that uh, the creators can't give away. It's so <laughs> awful. And so, you know, sucker, you know, you'll be a sucker if you download this stuff. <laughs> I went and looked at it. There's 16 tracks in uh, that have been given away now. And um, there's one called, by a band called Rogue Wave, which I think is out of Oakland. I love Rogue Wave. Yeah. So they. I just saw that in here. I was like, ooh, because I'm not using my computer right now. I'm in the podcast case. Yeah. So there's no point in me downloading it in here. But I'm like, oh, when I get back to my desk, I'm totally getting that Rogue Wave track. And there's a Guster track on here, too. Yeah, it's really I also good. I like Guster. Yeah. Yeah. So this. I, maybe this person is somebody who doesn't understand how promotion works. 
But um, sometimes if you give people something for free, they will buy more of it. So because I love Costco, you know, little free food stands. And they give you little nib- yeah. nibblies on a stick, and you eat the nibbly, and then you say, wow, this is really good. I'm going to go buy a ton of this, and it's over here on a pallet, and I'm going to you know, forklift it into my house because it's that good. And that's really what the idea of these singles are. They're not just, oh, what horrible music, because Apple wouldn't offer that because you wouldn't think, oh, well, Apple's giving me crap music, and I'm not going to listen to any of this stuff. The studios are doing it and artists are doing it and saying, we want people to learn about our band or artist or DJ or whatever so that maybe they'll buy it and it'll be on people's radar. It's tough to become a well-known musician or well-known artist. Mm -hmm. So this is a terrific service. So other than that one guy um, or woman, don't know, um, I would suggest (laughs) that it's a guy. I would suggest you check it out, right? And because... um, Forever, they've been giving away free stuff that's that's really good. Um, and they've in the past they've yeah. given away entire albums, um, not for very long, maybe a, a week or a, a couple of days. But um, I think it's terrific. So I would not look this gift horse in the mouth. A couple of jobs ago, I worked at MacLife and we had a podcast. And one of the things that we'd do on the podcast we'd call "Keep or Delete," and we'd download the single of the week and then all discuss whether or not we thought it was worthy of staying or if we were going to delete it. And so, yeah, I downloaded every single of the week for a few years, and <laughs> a lot of them I deleted, and you know, a few of them I kept. And I actually found some bands that now I really like that band, and I didn't know about them before "Keep or Delete." So, like "Empire of the Sun." hadn't heard of them and then yeah there you go so so yeah it's it's kind of fun and then the 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 only problem is once itunes started putting all your music in the cloud now all of a sudden (laughs) all these songs that i deleted are like there and i have to like go in and say no no i really never ever want to hear this again (laughs) please delete it from my cloud i'm tired of seeing it when i scroll past it going to the music i actually like so i do want to point out that they still have the previews for these free songs so you don't have to even go crazy like downloading them all you can like listen to a few seconds and be like oh hey that that 15 seconds wasn't bad i'm gonna download this track Definitely worth checking out. Um, they've got the pilot of that new Rain Wilson uh, detective show, Backstrom, that looks kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So if you missed it on TV, I'm, I'm a cord cutter. I haven't seen it yet. So I'll probably download that and check it out. Free on iTunes. Hooray. Yeah. Yeah. And you make a good point about the um, about iCloud with that. Because every year <laughs> I... never uh, go away. I know. Well, every year I download the uh, South by Southwest torrent. And this is legal, so it's it's okay. But um, mm-hmm. the, all the South by Southwest artists, generally, I, I don't know whether they're required to or not, but they offer a track for free. And if you go through the torrent, there are like 2,000 tracks every year. And so when cool. South by Southwest comes along, look for it. Um, so it's a big, you know, it's like two gigabytes worth of music. And so you can't possibly go through all of it, but, you know, you can, you know, shuffle through it and find some really great stuff. But I tend to leave that stuff in my iTunes library, and then I make a playlist out of it. And of course, it's all being matched on iTunes Match. So later on, when I want to search for something, I probably have like 7,000 South by Southwest tracks now that I go, oh, yeah. I didn't really <laughs> see all those. Which would be great if there was some kind of filter there. You know, like, okay, if you see South by Southwest as a tag, please don't show it to me on iTunes Match, or don't match it with iTunes Match. Um, because I'm fine keeping it here, but I really don't want it all there in the cloud. Not that there isn't some great stuff, but that's a lot of music. Yeah. 
So, um, words of the wise. So, if you haven't been downloading the South by Southwest Torrents, you should. And if you just Google it, you'll find that the old ones are still around. Um, and again, they're legal. You're not breaking the law. These were offered for free. So, it's perfectly okay. Take a look for it. I'll even see if I can find them and I'll put them in the show notes. Cool. Um, let's do one more uh, little bit. And this one will be from Zero, which is beautiful accounting software. Zero, spelled X-E-R-O, is the online accounting software and platform for your small business. With Zero, it doesn't matter if your small business is brick and mortar or online. And that's because Zero was born in the cloud and it was built in the cloud. This means that you can manage your accounting anytime, anywhere, from your Mac, PC, iOS, or Android device. Sign up for a free 30-day trial at zero.com slash podcasts to manage your invoicing and get paid faster, get an instant view of your cash flow, track your expenses on the go, and manage all of your financial reports. You can even collaborate with your accountant or bookkeeper in real time whenever you like. Zero seamlessly integrates with over 350 best-in-class business tools to process mobile payments, manage payroll, run your back office, and much more. It's no wonder over 400,000 customers in more than 180 countries use Zero, and you can too. Sign up for a free 30-day trial at zero.com/podcasts. That's x e r o.com/ podcasts and not only that zero randomly selects five people a month who have signed up to receive a mystery box of goodies called zero plus from a company that already swears by zero zero beautiful accounting software okay and then i want to wrap up with a, a music thing unless you have something else no it's cool. okay um this is something that most people aren't going to care nothing about but it's late the podcast so if you haven't tuned out yet Stick around just for a little bit more. Um, and this is about Pro Tools, which is the professional audio software. It's used in a bunch of studios. Um, people use it for movie soundtracks. It's kind of the default, oh my heavens, look at this amazing audio workstation software. Um, it's made by Avid, and they are um, not shy about charging a lot of money for Pro Tools. And a lot of times it's connected to their hardware. So the current top end of it is like around $700. Well, fine folks at Avid have decided, hey, you know, we're going to give away a version of, of Pro Tools. They did before. It was kind of crummy. And it was also hardware connected. You have had to have some of their hardware. They're, this is going to be more like GarageBand. Uh, it's going to be free. And it will support up to 16 tracks. You can just use your computer to record. You don't need any Pro Tools hardware. Um, looks interesting. A little late to the game, I think, in that GarageBand has been doing this kind of thing for a long time. Uh, it's smart to the extent that it is going to help people get into the Pro Tools ecosystem, which can be confounding. If you first launch Pro Tools, you have no idea what's going on because it's so powerful, but it's a little complicated. Um, but at the same time, as we were talking about earlier with acquisitions, if you're going to sell Pro Tools for 700 bucks and Logic Pro 10 is going for 200, uh, it may be time to start rethinking your pricing. Um, yeah. So hopefully this this follows up again. Pro Tools will support certain kinds of plugins that that Logic does not. And again, it's hardware based. So if you're using Pro Tools hardware, Logic will work with it, but you have advantages using Pro Tools. But I think at this late date charging $700 for this kind of software particularly when you need the hardware to go for it is 
getting to be a stretch. And um, I think it's a good thing for pro users, whether it's something like audio software and hardware or even video, you know, where the price of pro level apps is coming down to a point where the enthusiastic amateur can jump in. Uh, this is one case, but you know we've seen it with Final Cut, and and Apple's really putting a lot of price pressure on all this stuff, I think, um, so that that real people can try their hand at at making professional quality stuff. Yeah, Apple Apple is you know still makes their money selling hardware, so it makes sense for them to you know lower the prices of their software to make their platforms more attractive and have you know if if you're an amateur musician and you want to make your own album. Um, and, and you're buying a laptop to do that, uh, you know, you, the Mac is very attractive because you, you can get this, this software for it. Um, and then the, the, the thing that I thought was the most interesting about Pro Tools having a free version is that um, they are also going after podcasters because right. the, the podcasting preset that was, you know, would greet you when you launched uh, GarageBand is is missing from the latest version so and p- podcasting is really having a moment with a lot of new people jumping in and barriers to entry are really low so so yeah it's a really smart move to make uh, to put that in Pro Tools free so um, you know try to get some loyalty over to their to their company well yeah we'll see how that works because uh, I haven't used Pro Tools in years and I'm not sure what this free version is going to give podcasters other than a platform you know we're recording platform which is great and again mixing in Pro Tools is you know that's what p- the pros do but for podcasters I don't know if unless they put some podcast specific stuff in there um, we'll see um, GarageBand I've, I used to mix our podcast in GarageBand for years, and it's not the greatest platform for it. But they did used to have, you know, the ability to embed metadata in your podcast, which I liked. Um, they don't do that anymore, and it, most people don't uh, offer their podcasts in that form anymore. So yeah, if they if they're serious about going after podcasters, I think that'd be great because I would imagine a lot of people who are now editing in either Logic Pro 10, which I think is overkill for for podcasts or something like Adobe Audition, which is what I use for uh, podcasting. Yeah, if they can bring that for free to podcasters, I'm sure a lot of people will be very happy about that. Yeah, there's no release date for this, but um, there's a web form you can sign up if you're interested and they will notify you when it's ready to download. Okay, well, I'm definitely going to download it because why not? It's free. Sure, we love free stuff. That's like you said, yeah, that's that's the title for this podcast. We love free stuff, yeah. People love free stuff. Yeah, they do. Okay, so um, I think that's it, yeah? Yep. All right. Okay, so that then wraps up another episode of the Macworld Podcast, brought to you by Igloo, an internet you'll actually like, and Zero beautiful accounting software. If you have any comments or questions, drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com. And thanks very much for listening.